0: Right now, on how to build a podcast for your brand, we're talking to a podcast strategist from the United States who specializes in corporate clients. He shares how long it takes for a corporate podcast to succeed, how you can use advertising to grow that podcast without blowing the bank, and gives one really good secret on what content to put in your podcast to make it a hit. Let's go. This is Tim Ferriss, welcome to another episode of The Tim Ferriss Show. We're going to talk about house prices. You're online, kid, go ahead. House prices in Ireland in particular. The Two
1: Johnny podcast, bringing you all the mayhem and news from the world of the Two Johnnies. Open the pod bay
0: doors This is Business Wars. The EY podcast CEO Outlook series. This pod is one. the Tommy's Tiernan's choice. This is Tommy's choice. idea, we just go for it? Brace yourself. Go ahead,
1: absolutely go ahead. It's time.
0: Hello and welcome to How to Build a Podcast for Your Brand. My name is Dusty Rhodes. Today we're focusing on corporate podcasts. We'll be looking at the value of podcasting to a business and analysing what does and what doesn't work. Joining me today is media consultant and strategist Tanner Campbell. He's the co-founder of Plosive Monster Media and Real Talk Podcasting. He's also the founder of The Portland Pod and a host of multiple podcasts including Real Talk Podcasting and Help of the podcast as well. Um, When I was kind of looking about getting into podcasting myself after a lifetime in radio, Tanner was possibly the only person in all of the internet who spoke any sense. So when we wanted to put together this podcast uh, to help marketing and branding people uh, to look after podcasts for there, I said, we definitely have to talk to this guy. So uh, Tanner, lovely to have you on. How are you?
1: I'm doing wonderful. And thanks for having me, Dusty. I truly appreciate it.
0: Now, as well as making podcasts for yourself, you work with a lot of corporates and brands and businesses making podcasts for them. Of the people that you work with, what kind of feedback are they giving to you? what What do they get out of making a podcast?
1: It depends on the it depends on whether or not it's corporate or individual. We, we can talk about individuals first. Individuals mm-hmm. mostly get a sense of expression, either that's artistic expression or some kind of maybe advocacy. Maybe they care about a particular topic, and so they want to elevate someone's voice or they want to elevate the profile of an issue that's important to them. And podcasting is great for that because there are no yeah. rules in podcasting. You can get away with you know anything you want, really, and that means you can put anything out there on the airwaves, which I guess is a little bit of a double-edged sword. But companies are different. They approach it as an opportunity to either A increase their own visibility, or B, to build additional revenue verticals within their business that they hadn't thought of before. And that's especially true with entrepreneurial type people. I do a lot of work in corporate, or did a lot of work in corporate. I do mostly behind the scenes production for my own content now, but it's especially true for corporate people.
0: And do you feel the response that you got from those businesses that they felt podcasting gave them uh, a
1: different angle? I think what it allowed them to do was more clearly shape the narrative that they wanted to shape. Uh, So there's a little bit of a, you know, (laughs) self-serving. The individual is an artist. The business is a, how can I make my brand look better? You know, (laughs) uh, warming their hands together thinking, (laughs) (laughs) but not, but not really. Um, A lot of them just didn't, they didn't know how to get their true, let's say their true passion for the whole reason they have their business, whatever it is. And I mean, this even goes for Walmart or, you know, the little guys as well. There's some kind of reasoning behind why they do what they do that we don't see as the general public. And this is really, really true of like small to mid sized businesses. And they're technically, they just don't know how to. They, they usually don't have the marketing skills to do it. They don't have any production background skills to do it. They don't have the technical skills to do it. And they're like, well, podcasting seems really cool. And I think we could tell a really great story about our brand, or I think I, we could serve our community in a really meaningful way and encourage new business through that medium. But we have no idea how to do it. So what, what they get out of it, I think, is more exposure and more creative ways to create additional revenue verticals that they had not thought of before.
0: We did an interesting project with an accountancy firm uh, or an accountancy magazine, I should say. And the reason they wanted to do the podcast was because you can read an interview, but you don't get a sense of the person who's speaking. And they liked to do the podcast as an accompaniment Mm. to their magazine so you could actually hear people talk. And as you say you get a real feeling for for, for who the people are and, wh- and what drives them and what their passion is. And I think you make a much stronger connection because of that. Um, you said that uh, when you started doing podcasts yourself, everybody seems to hit this... Post, if you like, after six, seven, or eight weeks, we realize, oh my God, this is actually not as as easy as I thought it might be, and the fun has worn off at just kind of a little bit. Did you find that many of the clients that you were working with went through that wall and found success, or did they? A lot of them just hang up the hat and went, "I'm done."
1: Again, it depends on whether or not it's an individual creator or business. If if it's an individual creator, a lot of them quit, and the the friction that comes up is okay this this is hard I have to I, I for some reason I thought this needed to be forty five minutes for some reason I thought it needed to happen every week uh, I thought it should be an interview show it's hard to find interview guests it's hard to do this every week I don't know how to edit you know they they confront the difficulty the technical difficulty but then they also mm. run into the Well, this costs a little bit, you know, it's going to cost me 50 or so bucks a month to probably continue this hobby, whether that's in like website hosting services or podcast uh, audio hosting services or marketing or whatever it is they're spending that money on. People are spending like 50 to 100 bucks plus the gear and they want to they have the idea of recouping their expenses and they run into the brick wall of monetization is really hard. And so they're looking Mm. at the difficulty and how frustrating it is with the audio editing and engineering, the technical aspects. And then they're looking at the marketing and growth aspects and say, you know what? I thought I could do this, but uh, I have no resources out there that are really giving me great advice on how to do this. And. I don't have the time. I've got a full-time job. I've got a wife or a husband or a significant other of some kind. I've got kids. I've got other responsibilities. So, yeah, a lot of the independents will hang up the hat once they get, you know, three, four, five, six, seven episodes. And very few of them make it past seven. And I think that's actually a pretty mm-hmm. broad statistic, generally speaking. I think most podcasters mm-hmm. don't make it past seven. Then the businesses, they're a little bit different because the ones that I work with, they'll buy into a contract. And I do that intentionally. <laughs> I say, you're in a 12 month contract, uh, and I need yep. you to be because it's going to take that long for you to begin to see the fruits of your labor. Like it's going to take you six to eight months, probably, as a corporation that's doing everything right, uh, to really see that this podcast is paying for itself. And this is especially true with places like banks who might start a podcast that targets, hmm. you know, personal home loans or home improvement kind of loans, because you know a bank gets one or two. Loans based off the podcast over the course of a year and that more than pays for what they pay for me. I don't know what the bank makes specifically, but I know it's more than what they pay me uh, and they're very happy with it, but it can take, you know, that six, eight, 12 months for that thing to happen. And so I always mm. lock them into a contract because I don't want them in like week eight to say, this isn't working, we're not rich yet. <laughs> so yeah, it mm. kind of depends. But the corporations usually don't drop out. They stay for the end of the contract. And in all instances that I've worked with, with the exception of one, which I won't name, nor will I explain the reasons. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to actually do that. Uh, <laughs> they, they did jump ship early. And I think that they just had no, no faith in the process actually working, which is, you know, it's, it's hard to convince them sometimes.
0: In your experience, does it actually take eight months before you, you see the fruits of your labor? Does it happen quicker or can it take longer?
1: It depends. There are so many factors that go into that. So with independent mm. creators who, let's say they're an independent creator and they have a business that's like they're a coaching service or they're an educator of some kind. I help mm. people like that get to full-time incomes within eight to 12 months. But but there's a something that Especially independents do not understand about making a a podcast monetarily successful. Whatever they define that as, Mm -hmm. is that Mm -hmm. the organic? The organic. um, Let me restart. Is that the organic approach to growth and success from a monetary standpoint? It takes a very long time for organic to grab traction and to work. Because it relies upon how much content you've created in the past, how much out there is indexable. What are you doing in addition to your podcast? Are you writing blogs? I mean, notice that you did not find me through my podcast. You found me through my blog. And that's how most people find me which is why I write mm. so much. But if you sit down an independent podcaster and you say, you know, in addition to this excellent piece of work that you are producing, I'm going to need you to write blog entries, be active on Facebook, and you're probably also going to need to put some money into Facebook advertising and go from strictly organic to advancing your cause or speeding up what you wish to be the end result by putting some money into this. And that's when they usually say well, hold on, I've already bought equipment and I'm not making any money right now. And I got all this other stuff and they'll drop out.
0: How much money do you have to put into Facebook advertising then?
1: All the clients that I work with start at $5 a day. So it's $150 a month, which is a, you know, not a $0 budget, but it's also not a through the roof budget either. And if Am I allowed to do a plug on this? Because this is this free information. Of course you can, yes. <laughs> so if you go to realtalkpodcasting.com forward slash just the number five, there's a video tutorial there. It's about 40 minutes long, and it will walk you through how to use Facebook ads in a very basic way, five bucks a day mm-hmm. to grow your audience. Literally every, every day that passes, you'll get new subscribers. And you need that, I feel, especially as an independent podcaster, you need that to get through that pod fade. Because again, the number one cause of the pod fade is like, there's not enough listeners and nobody's paying me. And people who pay you is a direct percentage of the number of listeners you have. So if you mm. want to get paid, you need more listeners. If you want more listeners, you either got to get real lucky or you've got to be doing this for a long time, like a year, two years. I mean, I'm working with a, a couple of podcasts now that have 12,000, 13,000 subscribers and they're three years old. Nobody wants to be yeah. told that in order to make you know fifteen hundred dollars a month pre tax, which is not a lot of money, that they've got to work five years just to get to that. Yeah, it's <laughs> defeating. Uh, but but spending money in the upfront, the Facebook ads helps you push through that barrier, and you can see the growth, and that can keeps that can keep mm. a lot of people motivated.
0: Yeah. And especially because you're trickling, you're always going to be hitting new people because Facebook will expose it to X amount of people, and then it'll move on to a new group and then it'll move on to a new group. Yep. And uh, and it works like that. Uh, I, I absolutely highly recommend and I'll include that link in our show notes uh, to watch Tanner's video about Facebook advertising because it is absolute gold without a doubt. Um, as well as Facebook advertising, which is really good advice. You're making a podcast which has got a whole load of content in it anyway. What kind of other pieces of content do you think you could generate that are useful to your business and then also useful for promoting the podcast?
1: Let's start with what I don't think is helpful because there's, that's probably easier. A lot of people will create audiograms, which I think are really only good within the context of running an ad. And I think if you create an audiogram that they need to be text-driven, not wiggly line audiogram-driven, right, the spectrogram Mm -hmm. or whatever they call it, Uh, that is not very appealing. But when people see a bouncing ball, words on the screen, it's a lot more likely that they're going to unmute that video and listen to it and watch it. But those do not do a lot to convert people from finding those things in non-podcast, because think about it, Mm. you're browsing the web, you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter, wherever it is you're at, you are not looking to watch a podcast. You're doing something else. So you're scrolling through your Facebook feed you see an audiogram go by and you're like, oh, that's interesting. Let me listen to that snippet. Oh, that's a pretty good snippet. Mm -hmm. And then either you might like the page and that's really unlikely. You'll probably like the post. That's, that's pretty common, but you're probably not going to say, hold on, let me go open my podcast app because I saw this and, mm. subs- and find this podcast and subscribe to it. That doesn't happen a lot. So what I like to use audiograms for mainly is to run with ads because it, it, it appear- it's good ad creative because there's a button below it in that point. That's like more obvious what's going on. You can say, listen, uh, but honestly, audiograms don't, don't do a lot for me or for my clients. I don't think they do a lot for anybody, to be honest.
0: No, I, uh, the way I view audiograms is I look at them as kind of like the best minute of the podcast, And it's just a small little chunk that will teach the person as I I absolutely agree with you. It's not going to get any listeners to the podcast. They're not going to jump on and listen to a whole show or subscribe or follow the show or they're not going to do any of that. But if you can give people within 60 seconds a nice little chunk of information that helps them with their day or their life or whatever, and the company that we're making the podcast for gets the credit for that, tick. Yes. Uh, but that, that's a great, 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 great uh, way of looking at the, the audiograms is to use them in your advertising because when you click learn more, you can have that bring you straight to the podcasting app.
1: Yes, correct. Uh, that, well, and you've probably, it sounds like you've maybe watched the video I mentioned earlier. So, so the, for, for those who are listening who want to know what the t- catch of that is, is that when you run an ad, you, you know how to target people. Everybody probably knows how to do that. But if you limit the audience to being iOS only, users, then that means the ad that appears to them, if it links to Apple Podcasts, when they click that link, it immediately opens the app, which is a one-step conversion, which is a very short funnel that works very well. Exactly. That's, exactly, that's the secret exactly, I should be yeah. selling and I'm giving it
0: away <laughs> <laughs> you see that's why I wanted you on the podcast because you know that literally those last four minutes of what you've been listening to is pure gold absolutely uh, at 100% other um, content that you can get then out of a podcast do you believe in uh, um, graphic material that you can get out of it uh, photos uh, transcriptions uh, writing
1: blog articles that, that kind of stuff there is a service out there that I want to say is called Podcast Abbreviated, podcast, plural, abbreviated.com. And mm-hmm. I met this fella on Clubhouse. And what he does is he creates audiograms. However, they've got music set to them. They've got video set to them, stock video usually. They're very artistic pieces, right? Like I think things like that, Like if you really elevated the audiogram to something that was more like a cinematic Mm. experience, those have Mm -hmm. worked very well for him. Uh, So podcast abbreviated, I think it's dot com is something you guys should check out. I don't think it's a a service that he actually formally publicly offers, but they're they're beautiful. And he tells me that they do pretty well for his clients. Um, Mm -hmm. In addition to that, I think having your transcriptions. On your website, so I mean, let's talk. Let's talk about what you need in addition to the podcast, right? So, you've got the podcast, but the podcast should live somewhere other than in podcast players because Google does not do a great job, if any job, of indexing podcast players. Uh, but it will find it if it's on a website. But it's not going to find it if it's just an embedded player on the website. So, mm-hmm. what I like to do is set up, and you can see examples of this at sites that uh, for my podcast and for many others. It's not my original idea. You land on the page, the page is titled by the podcast episode, below that is an embedded player, below that is maybe a one paragraph summary. And then what I like to put below that in a collapsible element, that is to say one of those toggle things where you can expand the tree or close the tree, I like to paste the transcript in there. Because Hmm. when somebody comes to a website, if they see, you know, a a one hour long transcript, that's quite a lot of text on a page It's a little intimidating and overwhelming. But if it's in a collapsible element that says click here to expand and view transcript, that's that's easier for them. But Google can also Hmm. still see it so it can get the context of what's on that page. And then in addition to that, I would encourage people not to publish those transcripts as blogs. I don't think that works very well. I think that it doesn't, nobody wants to read a transcript. People usually go through a transcript to find, first of all, I think almost nobody goes through a transcript. I think it's beneficial because Google's going to see it and they're going to get some context about what's going on on that page. Uh, But when they publish it as a blog article, it doesn't read well as one. No. Uh, There's another, I will give you the link because I never remember the name of the service. It's a little bit expensive, but it's a great service for businesses. Uh, and it will take a blog, it will take a transcript and it will turn it into a unique blog post that is completely original from the content, but based on what content is there. A lot of people use the term repurpose. I don't think repurposing works well. Like people take, uh, they'll do an interview on zoom, right? Side by side video. And then they'll drop that on hmm. YouTube and hope it does something for them. If you look at Joe Rogan, who's arguably the most, at least by numbers, popular podcast, regardless of what you think of him, he has a huge audience if you look at how many l- subscribers he has to the podcast versus how many listens he gets for an episode, it's a pretty small percentage within that first month when compared to how many people listen. If it's that percentage from hi- for him, like it's probably going to be less than that percentage for you, and you probably only have a hundred listeners, so like it's yeah. not going to be it's not worth that extra effort to to repurpose mm. stuff. Because people are not looking for that thing on that platform. I hate I hate it when people take a side-by-side, put it on YouTube, and, like, it's not working. I'm like, people are not showing up to YouTube to see that. They're showing up to YouTube to see, like, engaging. Some people do put YouTube on the background mm. and will listen. And Joe Rogan uh, clips, which is, like, a separate channel for him, gets an insane amount. But that, those are also very short clips. Mm. Plus, he's Joe Rogan, and he has a level of exposure that we just don't have <laughs> as normal human beings. Um, yeah. he he also made it through Podfade. <laughs> yeah, quite yeah, quite successfully, right? Him and uh, Dan Carlin. I don't know if you guys listen to Dan Carlin, the hardcore history. Oh yeah, guy.
0: yeah, absolutely, course, Three hour yeah.
1: long episodes. I don't know how he does it.
0: When you're dealing with uh, any kind of a corporate or a business or a brand, uh, KPI are the three letters that always come up about Mm -hmm. key performance uh, indicators. What kind of indicators do you... uh, Because you've given a fantastic example how a local podcast with only a few hundred listeners can be a phenomenal success uh, locally. And then you've got national podcasts and they could be uh, equally successful. But what are the indicators that you think shows if a podcast is being a success or not?
1: For smaller shows, the KPIs are harder. They're usually just the conversion itself and the, the traction on any ads that are running to drive people towards that podcast. However, mm-hmm. with larger podcasts that have larger audiences, there are two things that podcast hosting providers do not currently track that I wish they did track because they're very difficult to track manually if you don't have access to the SQL databases that all these podcast hosts have, and very few of them will give you that. Uh, And Mm -hmm. if they do, they will be very limited in in the tables which are included in that data because some of those, many of those uh, sequel structures will contain other people's information. And so it's not just that they're not giving it to you. It's that the, from a privacy standpoint, they may actually not be able to give it to you. Uh, but I like something called Half-Life, which is the average amount of time that it takes a podcast to get to 50% of its lifetime listens. So the more that increases, you get an indicator of a show becoming more popular.
0: And that's the KPI that you keep your eye that's, on. That's
1: that's one that I try what? to keep my eye on in situations where I can. And then the other is back catalog completion or back catalog listen. So we want to know when an IP address hits, uh, you know, the latest episode. We want to flag mm. it as being a new episode. Uh, uh, sorry, a new IP address that we've never seen before. And then okay. we, from that point, we want to say this is where this IP address entered the game, and we want to go back and find out later after that one point, if they went back and listened to previous episodes. And if people are doing that, chances are that they've, and usually they'll do the most recent one and jump or the most recent one in second and never come back. But if they usually get past the second, mm-hmm. it's a really good indicator that the first one they liked a lot and they wanted to go to the next one. They want to go to the next one. Now most people never get a, most people are never going to go back and listen to an entire back catalog unless it's an audio drama and they have to. But yeah. if somebody, if if you see that that average uh, back catalog completion rate is climbing. We're holding consistent around a certain percentage that I guess you'd have to determine on your own what was worth it to you. It's a KPI you'd have to define. Mm. That that is one way that you can you can identify that as a performance indicator and then you can track it. But it is hard to do. I know that Zencast.fm, not Zencaster, but Zencast.fm is an Australian-based company that does podcast hosting and The the whole reason that we have these SQL queries that do what I just described, those two and other things, uh, is because the guy who owns that allowed us to have that data for our podcast because of the way it was stored. So we got to work with SQL structure and figure out how to write queries that could return this information.
0: So that's a good piece of it, especially if you're going to be running your own server and not using a, a third party to serve your podcast. That would, that would be mm. one thing. And it's actually, do you know what? It's, it's a really good indicator because it resonates with anybody who watches a TV series or a box set. You watch the first one. If you like it, you watch the second one. And then if you start watching the third one, that's it. You're in for the series. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. <laughs> so it's the same with uh, uh, with podcasts as well. Let me uh, wrap up with one final question for you for a uh, corporate podcast. What do you think are the three areas that anyone looking to launch a corporate podcast should focus on?
1: I don't know if I have three areas, but I will say one thing that I think is One thing that I think is really important, if you make, let's say, a waterproof Bluetooth speaker that's rugged and intended to be used for the outdoors, you're not going to make a podcast about Bluetooth speakers because nobody is going to listen to that unless you want to make an industry podcast, in which case I might be wrong, but you're probably not going to do that if you're talking with me. You're not making an industry podcast. Instead, what you should do is you should say, my product serves these communities And these communities need my product. Where is the crossover between my product and these communities? So, in the example of rugged Bluetooth speaker, well, we know that the kinds of people who are going to need that are people who spend time on the water or time outdoors. There's going to be outdoorsy, active people. So, armed with that information, you should be making a podcast about outdoor adventures. You should not be making a podcast about your product because nobody's going to listen to that. But if you can make mm. a great, for example, L.L. Bean's another company. They make uh, they make uh, clothing and gear for outdoors, sleeping bags, mats, boots. You don't want to make a podcast about that. They might have some interest as like post it on the website, learn more about where we make our boots, like hear an interview with the manager of the boot-making facility. Mm. That could have some interest. But what would have more interest is they have a place called, I want to call, say it's called like Duck Pond or something. It's a paddle pond of some kind, and it's a few miles up the road. And, I, and it would be cool if you had, you guys have access to some of the greatest like adventures in the world like your brand. So reach out to them, bring them to the, bring them to the paddle pond or the paddle camp or whatever they call it. Sit them around a fire, mm. do some binaural recording, have them tell the story of like their greatest climb or their most exhilarating hike. People will tune in and listen to that. And through that, you introduce your brand as like, hey, welcome to the L.L. Bean podcast recorded in the L.L. Bean studios at llbeancity.com or you know whatever it is. So you are getting your brand in front of them very clearly. And maybe the mid-roll has an offer for 10% or a buy one, get one or something. But the content mm. is not a commercial. Nobody wants to listen to a 45-minute commercial, right? They no. want to listen to compelling content. So my first advice would be, Make content for a community and make it nothing to do with your product. Just have it to do with the community your product serves. Uh, The second suggestion I might have is realize that it's going to take some time. It it is probably going to take six to 12 months for you to see the kind of uptick in revenue that you are hoping for. Mm -hmm. And then my third might be. Don't feel like you have to record every week, although this would be general advice for everybody. I have clients who record quarterly who are in the financial world, so that makes sense for them. And the people who listen to their shows love that. Give them the quarterly update, you know, quarter in review, stuff like that, every other week. Or you can do it every week. So, so be flexible with how frequently you're releasing. And also, mm-hmm. uh, be flexible with how long the show is. It doesn't have to be an hour. It can be 20 minutes. Uh, it can be two hours, if you think that that's appropriate. But be patient, create for the community your products serve in a way that is not a commercial. And, you know, don't make your runtime too incredibly long or too incredibly short. Make it as long as it needs to be, guys. Tanner Campbell, it has been an absolute
0: pleasure chatting with you and very educational as well. And that's what I say. You're one of the few people who actually will willingly share information that you can use. I've uh, years I've been going to radio conferences and they say such and such an amazing programmer is going to tell you how he did blah 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 and then you go and all that happens is that he tells you what he did. Not how he did it. (laughs) So, no, I appreciate uh, very, very, very useful information. If you'd like to find out more about Tanner, uh, you'll find him at tannerhelps.com. Thanks, Dusty. And, of course, if you'd like to chat about any of the uh, topics discussed today, you can email me directly. Hello at dustpod.ie is my email address. But for now, for myself, Dusty Rhodes, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Talk to you soon.
1: Open the pod bay doors, Cal.
0: This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. How? How?